0: is Andy Stovall. I am the Princeton campus pastor, and I am glad that you are here today at the bridge. All of our guests that are here today, I know we already welcomed you, but if you're here for the very first time, welcome to the bridge. We are so happy that you're with us today. Amen. Now, in this rendition right here, we see why Jesus came to this earth. We understand, according to Scripture, that he came... To give his life a ransom for many. But I want to go back for just a few moments this morning. Uh, Jared did a great job talking last weekend about how God, our life begins in him as a blank canvas. And how there's a progression. And there's a plan. And God has a purpose for our life. And at the end of our life, the goal, the prayer... What God has purposed for us is to be able to present to Him something beautiful, something amazing, something incredible that He has done in our lives and through our lives. And I want to kind of uh, pick up on that this morning as I look at how Jesus entered this world. You know, He could have entered into this creation in many different ways, But the way he did it was brilliant. It was amazing. It was the most generous way he could have entered the planet. He entered it because he chose to include people in his story. Now, how many of you know that when God decides to include people in the story, that it may alter some things that you have planned for your story? You got ideas and thoughts about what things are supposed to look like for your life. Maybe your parents, as you're growing up, have a, have a plan for you. And how many of you know that God can get in there now and mess some stuff up? Amen? God ever messed any stuff up for y'all? I mean, in a good way, not in a bad way. But he'll shake our world. He'll, he'll, he will rattle us sometimes. And I want us to look. For just a moment at Christ's birth today. And I want us to look at two groups of people that are represented here. There's a lot we could look at here. But I want us to look at these two groups of people in particular. Group number one are those people that are clipping along in life. And things are going pretty good. And they're doing what they need to be doing. And um, God just revolutionizes their existence and makes it even better. The Magi, the wise men as we know them. Um, saw some things in the stars, and realized that someone special was about to be born. They traveled to see him, bringing some of their treasures with them. Now think about it. They didn't know much about Judaism or the Jewish Messiah, but they saw in the heavens a revelation of a new king. Somehow they knew they were to follow a particular star. That was pointing them in a particular direction so that they could see the king. When they finally got to Jerusalem, they asked for help. After all, they only had basic information, a rough picture of what was going to happen So, the experts they asked, the Jewish scribes and religious leaders, told them that a Messiah had been foretold by the prophets. They pointed the Magi to Bethlehem. And after a visit with a king, anybody remember that king's name? Herod, right? He had a different agenda. He said, I want you to come back after you see him, and I want you to tell me about the visit, and I want you to tell me where he is. But after their visit with that king, they took their gifts to the coming king. They didn't know much, but here's what they knew. We're going to bring our best to the king and lay it at his feet. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 says, And after entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then after opening their treasure chest, they presented to him gifts fit for a king. Gifts of gold, gifts of frankincense, gifts of myrrh. They were doing their thing and God interrupted their life. And said, I'm going to provide you, offer you an experience like one you've never had before. And then there were the shepherds. The shepherds were out in their field and they were tending their flocks and they were doing what shepherds do. Um, Out on the hillside in Jerusalem, in terms of social status, they were probably the lowest people on the totem pole. Um, Suddenly, they were surrounded by angels announcing the birth of Jesus. Can you imagine that picture? Can you imagine being out in a field and it's quiet and you're not in hustle and bustle? You don't live in a city. There's no street lights. So when it's dark, anybody ever been where there's no street lights? It's in the mountains or uh, every now and then I occasionally go hiking down in a gorge, uh, Linville Gorge in western North Carolina. And when it gets dark in the Linville Gorge, it's dark. And it's pretty much bedtime because you will run off of the ground into the river, and then that would be bad. So, um, so I, can't, I can only imagine the splendor and the glory that must have surrounded those shepherds. And what does the Bible say when the angels showed up? What does it say they did? Did they say, oh, that's great, man, we've been expecting you. That was something we've been anticipating our entire life. No, it said they were scared. My my grandfather used to read the Christmas story in a little country Southern Baptist church in Martin, Georgia. And I used to love to hear him say they were sore afraid. They were afraid. But when the angels left, they left their sheep. They went into the town to see the baby. And after they saw this baby, they spread the word about what they had seen. Shepherds in a field watching over their flocks in the middle of the night. And God shows up and revolutionizes their life. They didn't have money to give the king, but they gave the king their time. They had a clear revelation of what was happening. And they had the privilege of becoming the first evangelists. Of the birth of Jesus. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Isn't it awesome when God does that? When you're moving along and you're in His will and you're doing what He's called you to do. And God just opens up this door and that door and this door. And man, it's just, it's happening. Anybody in that place this morning? Uh, And it's not a bad, that's a great place to be. It's a wonderful place to be in the will of God where he's moving and working and answering prayer and doing incredible stuff. And there are people here today who are there. And you're experiencing that. And then there's a second group of people. Those of us who are moving along at a good clip and life is interrupted, but initially it don't feel real good. You ever had that happen? You ever had your life interrupted? It didn't feel really good. I was sitting at home in, in, the, in my big chair two Sundays ago. Glory to God! I was getting a rest and watching some football. And my kids walked in, and the flood is over now, people. The flood is over. And they said, "Daddy, the garage is full of water." <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I knew the only thing it could be because there's one thing that has a bunch of water in it out there. Other than the car, and praise God it wasn't that, but it was the hot water heater. Yay! <laughs> so I got to get up from my big chair because Mama likes hot water in the house. I don't know if any of the rest of y'all know that, but, and I like hot water. So I got to get up that Sunday afternoon and praise God, Dave Ramsey, I went and bought a hot water (laughs) heater with my emergency fund. Have an emergency fund because your hot water heater will explode on you one day. But life interrupts us. It does. You're sitting here today and your life's been interrupted. You're sitting here today and you're facing things you never thought you'd face before. Well, you're in good company. Because that happened with Joseph and with Mary. See, I can imagine when Joseph first got the news that he was going to be the father of Jesus. And that his wife that he was betrothed to, and uh, betrothal is a little bit different from the engagement that we know today. Betrothal, there there had to be, for that to end, there had to be a, a writ of divorce. And so, here Joseph is, betrothed to Mary. Their families have agreed on the marriage. This is my future bride, and we're spending time apart in preparation for the wedding. We're excited about the future. He loves and cares deeply for his bride. And then he finds out she's pregnant. He knows it's not his. Now that is enough to rock your world. I mean, can you imagine having that sit down? (laughs) Honey, I need to tell you something. (laughs) I know you've never touched me and no other man has ever touched me, but I'm having a baby. And it's God's son. And he gets up and checks her head for bleeding and bruises and a big knot. But I'm sure when he heard it, he was rocked. When we look back on this story, we see centuries of prophecy being beautifully fulfilled in the miraculous birth of Jesus. We see that. But Joseph... He didn't see that initially. All he knew was that his fiance was pregnant and he wasn't a daddy. In Jewish culture, one of the things that could happen with this kind of circumstance is that the bride could be put to death because of what she had done. It was a real possibility in this community if they were strict about the law. They could have executed Mary by stoning her. Joseph decided to be gracious. He said, I'm going to divorce you quietly, Mary. And there's no sense in adding any shame to this already shameful situation, he must have thought. But then an angel appeared to Joseph. Appeared to him one night in a dream and told him not to be afraid. To take Mary as his wife. The angel explained that Mary had conceived this child by the Holy Spirit. And that she would give birth to a son. And he would be named Jesus. And this child would save people from their sins. And all of this would take place to fulfill what the prophets had spoken. When Joseph awoke, he did what the angel said. See, now Mary told him, but like any man, he had to hear it from somewhere else before he'd believe it. Amen. Wives in the room. (laughs) He never listens to anything I say. Joseph was told to marry an unwed, pregnant girl in a culture that harshly stigmatized and sometimes even executed them. People, I'm sure, made assumptions about the lack of her virtue and his lack of standards. No respectable man would marry a girl like that. From all appearances, she had betrayed him and he didn't make a stand could be the laughing stock of the whole town for going through with this wedding. For the rest of his life, he could be misunderstood by many. He would look like a fool. But all of this happened in order to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgins shall be with child. And give birth to a son. And they shall call his name. Emmanuel. See. Joseph's reputation was at stake. It was a big. Big risk. And it was a huge interruption. In the plans that he had. Think about Mary. Mary, who not only has been watching several episodes of Say Yes to the Dress on a daily basis. (laughs) She's gone to the wedding planner. They've already picked out a way too expensive cake that tastes way too bad for the money they're going to spend on it. She's got all these plans. All this stuff that she knows God has for her. Man, I've got this amazing man. I'm going to have this amazing life. And her life is interrupted. Not only does she give up her reputation, but she also gives up her future. What she had planned. The things that she had written down in her diary and in her journal. And this is the way it's going to be. And oh, it's going to be amazing. And there's going to be the picket fence and the puppy dog and the kitty cat. And we're going to have the best obstetrician. And everything's going to be great. And we're not going to be in a manger. Because there's no room for us anywhere. Imagine being a teenage girl who, like most teenage girls, dreams of this day. Having that vision. But then the angel Gabriel appears to her. He appeared to her and told her what was going to happen. Whatever future Mary envisioned at that point, it was gone. There was a higher calling. Something that God wanted her to do. Something that He had chosen for her to do, but it would be difficult. So how did she respond? The Bible says, and I don't have that entire passage of Scripture, I don't think. Do we have that? I don't think we have that on the screen. Um, But in Luke 1, 26 The Bible says when Gabriel initially appeared to her, she was very afraid. I get that. I understand why she was afraid. I I would be afraid by his appearance. I would also be afraid by what he said to me. Here's what's about to happen in your life. Here's what's about to go down. The Bible says she was greatly troubled. When Gabriel told her what she would have, or that she would have this child, she didn't express doubt or try to negotiate. This is the only thing she asked in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. She only asked how that was possible. And Gabriel said, Nothing is impossible with God. And she said, May it be as you have said. Nothing is impossible with God. May it be as you have said it will be. Their life was interrupted, but a beautiful thing came from that. A beautiful thing came from the interruption of their life. And I want to ask you a question this morning. In the time we have remaining. What's interrupting your life today? What is it? What is it that you're facing today that's an interruption that just feels so even wrong? Definitely difficult. Can't possibly be the plan that God would have for me. What's interrupting your life? There, there, are two forces at work here. The first interruption in life is external. Anybody live in the hundred-year floodplain? That's dog years, you know. We're already there. You live in the 100-year floodplain, and even if you don't, we found out when 15 inches of water falls in about eight hours, there are places that never flooded in this county that flooded the other Saturday. There were people that experienced loss that had never known that before, had never seen that before, had never experienced that before. Floodwaters can interrupt our life. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's a, a child making a decision that you know they shouldn't make. Maybe there's rebellion in their life. And you have done everything you can and you've talked and you've talked and you've talked but they're at that place in their life that you were one time. When you were 18, 19, 20 years old. and. The most ignorant people on the face of the earth were your mom and dad. <laughs> you don't know how they got out of the house every day. I don't know what it is that's interrupting your life. What it is that's bringing that pressure, but it comes externally. Our daughter, uh, our youngest daughter Mackenzie took a, a trip. Our oldest is in New York, she's been up there for A little over two years now. Um, I affectionately call it because I have quite an investment in that city now. Land of fruit and nuts. But um, (laughs) I know that's California too, but whatever. (laughs) So she's going to make a trip to New York City. She's going to see her sister. She gets on a plane. She's 16 years old. She's never flown by herself before. I kind of felt the way I did when we dropped off our 18-year-old daughter in New York City and drove away. Dr. Wall, I said, I have lost my mind. I looked in the rearview mirror and I see this city that looks like like a model, like a picture. It cannot be real. And I just left her there, alone, my little bitty baby child, you know. What am I doing? So then I put my 16-year-old, because I haven't obviously learned any lesson, and I put her on a plane to go there too. Why not? (laughs) So she gets to the airport, gets on her plane. They have a thunderstorm in New York City. Well, any time flights are delayed, if you've ever flown into or out of LaGuardia, Thirty minutes of rain can cancel flights for days. Well, thunderstorms, and probably more than rain. So she um, has a connection in Washington, DC. She lands, gets off the plane, is doing everything we've told her to do. She goes to catch the connecting flight, and lo and behold, the flight has been canceled. It's Friday afternoon, about 5 o'clock. Her next flight to New York City is Sunday at lunchtime. Thank you for gasping like that, because I didn't handle it as well. (laughs) I'm like, are you kidding me? This is a 16-year-old child, so we're, you know, we've got some relatives that fly all the time, and we're like, pull some strings, and... There are no strings to pull with the airlines on that day. So she calls her mom and she's, you know, she's got that, that, you know, the cry that your baby gives you when, when they were two, three years old and they fell and then got the breath knocked out of them. And it's like, and then it just comes, you know, like a flood. And then there was, I am in the airport, and I can't get my next flight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> so here I am helpless, you know, and she's been so excited about going on this trip, and now it's interrupted, and we don't know how we're going to get her home, and I but I called her up and I said, I want to tell you something. is your daddy. You will not. This is 8 o'clock on Friday night. You will not spend the night in that airport. It's not going to happen. Trust me on that. So, we were praying. She's... Crying, you know, to add insult to injury, all of our kids now have cell phones. Well, the charger for her cell phone fell out of her purse in the car when she was getting out of the airport at RDU. So it was almost dead. She had to spend $60 of her spending money on a charger at the airport. And then she had to go find a place to plug it in. So she gets it plugged in. It's been a couple of hours. We're working on stuff, trying to get it all together. And I call her back, and she's still really upset. And we thought we had a flight for her. And then it's was just a big mess. And the whole time, she's just kind of, uh, you know, and hungry and tired. She's been stuck in this airport for five hours. We're praying. Mom prays specifically three things. She prays that she'll be surrounded by Christians. She prays that she will have private transportation home. And I had to write them all down because I knew I'd forget one of them. And she prayed that she would connect with somebody that she knew. I said, that is an awesome prayer. I love the faith that you have, but you do know she's in Washington, D.C., right? I don't know anybody there. The people I know there—well, never mind. Um, I'll just get in the car and go pick her up. Okay. Uh, uh, so I call her back, and we're trying to work this thing out. And I and I said, "Honey, look around you and ask," because we had got an Uber app. We had talked her through putting the Uber app. How many you Uber? Anybody ever Uber? Uber's pretty awesome, isn't it? I, I really, I know you hear some horror stories, but I've enjoyed the Uber because I'm tight and it's a lot cheaper than a taxi. But um, so I, t- I talked to her about Ubering and, and the whole thing. and um, And so she gets it, you know, all worked out, gets the app on there, and then she calls me back. I said, okay, do your thing, way more tech savvy than I am, knows way more about it than I do. Calls me back and says, Daddy, I need you to do it for me. Um, Well, baby, I don't have your phone. (laughs) Because they're going to track your GPS on your phone to find you to know where to pick you up. Well, it's asking what gate I'm at, Dad. I don't know what gate I'm at, Dad. I've never flown through D.C. before. I don't know anything about the airport. So now, bear in mind, she's very tired, she's very upset, she's very hungry. I said, look around you and see if you can see an airport employee. Daddy, there's nobody here. It's 10.30 at night, it's empty, nobody's here. I said, there's nobody around you. No, Daddy, there's nobody here. The only person here is a policeman standing right in front of me. What did we do wrong, Lord? (laughs) I said, take your phone to the man and just give it to him. And tell him your daddy wants to talk to him. Talked her through that whole thing. He got her an Uber and, you know, did what he did. Turns out, as my wife and I are driving to Washington, D.C., had got as far as here because we stopped here to get the GPS so we could make sure we got to the right place. She sends a text out to some of her friends to pray. And they said, Our pastor and his entire worship team is in Washington, D.C. this weekend. Well, they're staying in a little place called Reston, Virginia. I don't know if you've ever heard of Reston, but it's right outside of D.C. They're going to be there till tomorrow morning. By the way, one of her best friends in Wayne County is with them, and she's got a room. It's a suite, actually, with two queen-size beds in it. If you can get her to the hotel, you won't have to drive here And we'll have her home by 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Can we give God some glory for an answered prayer? Now here's what I appreciate about what God did there. Man, I'm so thankful for what he did for my child, obviously. But what I appreciate there is he gave me the opportunity to see what he does and how he works when we begin to pray. My daughter's up in Washington and she can't see any of this happening. She doesn't know that any of this is going on. We don't either. All we've done is said, God, we don't know how you're going to do it, but make a way. We'll go up there. I mean, Mom and Daddy will drive all night if we've got to. We will get our baby. But God, you love her so much more than we do. You're so much more passionate and so much more capable than we are. God, make a way. And just to see how he opened every one of those doors and made a way. And that was, that's not like a flood. That's not like getting that diagnosis and and hearing cancer. You know, my, we've, I don't think any of us, there isn't a person sitting in this room that hasn't heard that, either connected to yourself or someone that you love. It is a very real part of living in this world that we live in today. So, the question that I ask this morning of you is, how do we reconcile this?
1: so things haven't turned out as you hoped life took a turn a bump a darkened sky and at times it may have seemed there was no hope but here's the good news our God is the God of fresh starts our God is the God of new beginnings our God brings new mercies new compassions not just once a year not just when things are bad but every single morning. This season has been tough. And for many of us, things will never be the same. But we are here, breathing, maybe smiling, or crying or shouting or laughing but we are here feeling maybe fighting or cheering or seeking or grieving we are here living and we are not alone our God is here our God is with us. And our God is the God of new creations.
0: Our God is a God of new creations. Whatever you're facing... Whatever's interrupted your life this morning, He's given you a new day, a fresh outlook, a new beginning, a new opportunity. Isaiah 61 3 says, To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the all of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit. Of despair they will be called Oaks of righteousness a, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor instead of mourning and sackcloth and ashes that we would rise up that we would know that God is here and God is faithful John 16. Verse 21 says, When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world has taken over. So also you have sorrow now, but you but I rather will see you again your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you in that day you will ask nothing of me truly truly I say to you whatever you ask of the father in my name he will give it to you until now you've asked nothing in my name Ask. You will receive it, and your joy will be full. Here is the challenge this morning. Would you look with eyes of faith? Can you see Jesus beyond your circumstance? See, I told you there were two forces at work here. One was the external. The second is our internal response. How are we going to respond to God right now, this very moment? And I'm going to ask you to do something that I don't ask, we don't ask very often. and Nobody's going to embarrass anyone or anything like that. But if you are looking with eyes of faith and saying, God, I can't see the answer yet, but I thank you in advance for what I know you are capable of accomplishing in my life. And I'm believing and I'm trusting you for that. If that's you today, would you stand right where you are and come up so we can pray for you? Would anyone be willing to do that would you come right where you are just come right out of your seat would you come God I'm believing I'm trusting I can't see it right now Lord I don't know what you're doing and I don't know how you're gonna do it but God I know you're the God of new beginnings I know you're the God of a second chance I know you're a redeeming God And you make all things new. And this morning, I trust you, God. Lord, I want to look at this with eyes of faith, believing that this just is the labor pains that come before the miracle you're going to perform in my life. Now, if you're comfortable doing it, those of you that are still in your seats, you can come forward or you can stay right where you are and just extend your hands. And I want to pray for you that are up here today. Father, I thank you so much for the boldness of those that have come this morning who have said, Lord, there are things in the way in my life There's stuff that's interrupted my life that I was not expecting, God. And quite honestly, I don't know how to navigate it. I don't know what to do with it. I don't I don't I'm struggling, Lord. But God, I believe with all my heart. You are the God of new beginnings. You are God of a second chance. And so Lord, by faith, I bring this interruption to you. And even though I don't understand it, even though I can't see what's coming, God, Thank you for the miracle, God, that you're going to work. And I thank you because you're going to be glorified in this situation. Today, Lord, I choose as Joshua did. When he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. For me and my house We will serve the Lord Now God There may be those that are at the altar Who've made some internal choices and, And there's some unrepented sin Their issue isn't something external Something they couldn't control but maybe they're here today and they're, they're facing a struggle because of some bad choices you're the God of new beginnings you're the God of second chances and Lord we trust you so we bring our fault our frailty, our failure. We bring our sin to you. We ask you to forgive us. And we look with eyes of faith for that healing. So whether it's a diagnosis or something out of our control or whether it's something we chose, We thank you today for the miracle you have worked in this altar this morning. And when we leave this altar, God, we leave this stuff right here at the foot of the cross. Thank you, God, that you so love the world that you gave your only begotten son. That if we would just believe, if we would just believe, we would know forgiveness, we would know deliverance, we would know freedom. And for that, God, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give Jesus...